thing that'll come into your life and stay strong and fresh will be the result of making and keeping the right commitments. This message is the fourth in the series, Fresh. The message is entitled, Fresh Commitments. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Good. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets this morning as we turn our attention to God's Word together. We're involved in a series of messages this fall entitled Fresh. I want to talk to you this weekend about making some fresh commitments in your life and how your freshness in life is determined by the freshness of your commitments. Some things in life are what I would call imperceptible essentials. We might call them invisible essentials. You can't always see them. For example, this building that we're in today is a building that is built structurally with steel. Structural steel surrounds us. You don't perceive it when you walk into the building. It's hidden in the drywall. It's hidden in the different columns. You don't recognize that the steel is here, but you would recognize it if it were not here because the building would not stand up. There's certain things that you don't see at times, but they're essential to the success of something. And it's true in every area of life that if you're going to be successful in life, there's certain things that have to be sort of under the surface, things that maybe are imperceivable to other people or even invisible to other people, and the outward success may not really give full indication of what's going on internally. For example, if you want to be successful in academics, you have to be a good student. You have to burn the midnight oil, and people don't see you doing that. They simply see you getting the good grades, and so they wonder, wow, that guy must be really smart, but it's not so much smart as it is work. The same is true for a great athlete. An athlete succeeds in life because not just of raw talent. Raw talent will only take you so far, but at a certain point in time, there has to be some effort that goes into it. There are some commitments that a good athlete has to make if they're going to be sustained in their athletic career. We can go through every realm of life, professionally, whatever it might be. There's always the imperceivable, invisible realities and essentials. And one of those things in life that I would call an invisible or an imperceptible essential is something called your commitments. Most people don't go around verbally talking about their commitments all the time, but what your commitments are create the structure of your life. And if you do not effectively choose your commitments the right way and know what they are and choose good commitments, you will have a faulty life, you'll have a weak life. And on the opposite of that, if you choose good, right commitments, you will have a strong life. It's like the structural steel of your life. And so today, I want our attention to be focused on one thing. I want to talk to you for the next few moments about this word, commitments. Would you say it with me? One word, commitments. I'm going to share with you five things that you need to know about this one word. If you're going to have strong, imperceivable essentials in your life, this thing called commitments, there are five things that you must understand about it. The first thing is simply this. Your commitments, the commitments that you make, will determine the course that your life will take. In other words, we'll say it this way. This thing called commitment actually sets your life direction and determines your life, key word here, destiny. Where you end up in life is going to be determined by the commitments that you make. In fact, where you are today in your life is really a reflection of the commitments you've made to this point in time in your life. What have you been committed to? 
What have you not been committed to? All of your commitments have led you to today, and whatever your commitments are, beginning from this day forward, will lead you to the destiny, the direction of your future. It's extremely important that we understand that this thing called commitment, this underlying ingredient that we don't talk about very much, we don't think about a whole lot, it is actually paving the pathway of your life. The second thing that you must understand is if you're going to grasp your commitments, they have to be examined to be understood. Because our commitments are under the surface, because they're usually imperceptible, sometimes they're only imperceptible to other people, sometimes they are imperceptible to us. We don't always understand what's driving our lives, what commitments we actually are pursuing until we stop for a moment and actually look at our lives and we investigate and we think about, what am I really committed to? What's really driving my life? What are those things that are so valuable to me? And I'll talk more about that word value in just a moment. But for us to understand this, I want to take you back to the story that we've been talking about for the last several weeks about a king in the Old Testament, an Old Testament king by the name of Josiah. Everybody remember we've been talking a bit about Josiah over the last several weeks. If you've missed the last uh, several messages, let me encourage you to get those online, uh, get the CDs for them, they're free of charge. But make sure that you get caught up with this because Josiah is a very important important figure in the Bible. We're going to learn something about commitment from Josiah. You might recall that Josiah was one of the kings of the southern kingdom called Judah after the division of the kingdom of Israel. And after Israel is taken captive by the Assyrians, Josiah is one of the kings of Judah. And he had a father by the name of, anybody remember his, fa- his grandfather's name was Manasseh and his father's name was Ammon. And both Manasseh and Ammon were very wicked men. They were men that not only hated God, they were involved in idolatry and wickedness, and they actually got rid of all the Bibles. All the law of God was removed from the land. And so during the, by the time that Josiah became king of Judah, no one had a copy of the Bible. No one had a copy of the law. They had not read the law for about six decades. For almost 60 years, no one had seen or read a copy of a Bible. And Josiah sent one of his assistants to repair the temple because Josiah was a good man and Josiah wanted to restore the worship of God in Judah. And so he wanted to rebuild, restore, refresh the temple. And so he sends some folks to do that job there in the temple. As they're cleaning up the temple, guess what they discover in the house of God? They discover the book of the law. And they begin to read it there in the temple. And these guys saying, wow, this is incredible. We've never heard this kind of stuff before. We need to take this to the king. And so they took the book of the law to the king, Josiah, and they read it to him. And I want you to notice in 2 Kings chapter 22, verse number 11, what happened when Josiah heard God's word for the very first time. Verse 11, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, read the rest with me. What did he do? He tore his robes. Let me tell you why Josiah tore his robes, because he realized that he had been committed to the wrong things. He realized that for himself and for the nation of Judah, there had been terrible disorientation and 
deterioration of right commitments. And so in the reading of the book of the law, there was an examination. There was something that came to the surface, something that came to the awareness of Josiah that he'd never been aware of before. Why? Because for the first time in his life, his commitments were put under the scrutiny of God's Word. His commitments were being reflected upon what God said was important, what God said the commitments of life needed to be. So there in that moment, Josiah tore his robes in repentance because he had examined his commitments for the first time and realized that he was in trouble. You might ask the question, how do you you examine commitments? How do you know what you're really committed to? How do you know what the commitments are in your life? I'm going to give you a quick five-point test. If you'll follow these five points I'm about to give you, they're actually on your notes, you can always determine what your commitments are. So look with me there on your notes and let's read them together. Your commitments are demonstrated, first of all, by what you do and don't do. How do you know what you're committed to? Just look at what you do. And also look at what you don't do. And so whatever you're doing says, this is what I am committed to. Whatever you don't do, you're acknowledging that you're not committed to it. Second of all, the sacrifices you are willing to make. Have you noticed that when you're really committed to something, you're willing to make sacrifices for it, right? Number three, read with me. Your responses to ups and downs, prosperity and adversity, victories and defeat. How do you know a really committed athletic team? You know that they're really committed because even when they have a tough season, what do they do? They're committed. They keep going. They work hard at it. How do you know that you have a committed marriage? You know you have a committed marriage when things are really going well, you're committed, and when things are not going so well, you're still committed. In fact, when you stand before the altar to get married, the minister will often say, repeat these vows in sickness and in health till death do us part for better or worse. The idea is that real commitment is demonstrated not just when you're up, but also when you're down, and not just when you're down, but also when you're up. See, I found a lot of people who say they're committed to God, and then they hit prosperity there. I mean, God really blesses them, and God pours out abundance upon them, and they walk away from God in the midst of their prosperity. I've seen it time and time again. I've also seen it on the opposite side of that fence when people go through really difficult times who say they have a relationship with God, but adversity comes in and they walk away from God in the midst of adversity. And so the test of whether we are committed to something is not just what we're sacrificing for or doing or not doing, but also how do we respond when life is up and when life is down? Number four, read together with me. How do you know what you're committed to? Your conversations, what you talk about. What do you talk about whenever you have the opportunity to talk about anything you want to talk about? What comes out of your mouth? What are the words that you speak? What what is the center of your conversation whenever you can make the conversation centered on what's important to you? Your words reflect your heart. Then number five, your investment. Circle that word if you don't mind. I find that this is perhaps one of the key ways that we know what we're committed to, what we invest in. That is, what you put your resources into. into. You have three basic resources in life. You have time. Amen? Is that a resource? Right? You have treasure. That is, you have some kind of material resource that God gives you. And you have talents. You have those three things. Every person here, you have time. You have treasure at some level. It may be a lot. It may be a little. But you have something in your life. 
and you have talents, you have abilities that God has given you. And so where you invest your time, your treasure, and your talents will indicate what you are committed to. So the important thing to realize, you'll never understand what you're committed to unless you do what? You've got to examine your commitments. Number three, your commitments, the third thing you need to understand about commitments is that your commitments reveal something. They actually reveal your values and priorities. See, a commitment is when you say, I am going to do this, I am going to be that, I am all in with this, I am all in with that. But when you make a commitment, there's still something else foundationally underneath a commitment, and that's the value system. You choose that because of you valuing that. You choose to be committed to something because you have a priority that. If you are committed to your marriage, it's because you value your marriage, right? If you're committed to a friendship, it's because you have set that friendship as a priority in your life or you've established a value of the friendship and your commitments actually are reflective of revealing a revelation of what you truly value in your life. And so when you are committed to something, your commitments are actually telling a life story. They're telling people about you. They're communicating something about your life. And I would ask you this morning, what do you want to be known for? What do you want your life to be known for? What do you want people to say? You know, that guy, that's what that guy's life is all about. See, one day, all of us are going to come to the end of our life. Life doesn't last here on earth forever. I checked the statistics and one out of one die. And at some point in time, unless Jesus comes back again before it happens, you're going to pass from this life to the next life, and someone is going to stand at a memorial service, and they're going to say some words about you, and people are going to talk about you when you're gone, and they're going to say certain things about you. What do you want them to say about you when you're gone? But not only do, do you need to think about what you want people to say about you when you're gone, but you need to begin to realize you're building that reputation now. What do you want people to say about you now? What do you want the story of your life to be? And it's not just a matter of what we say we want the story to be. It's a matter of whether we back that up with the real value system and commitments of life. Jesus, during His earthly ministry, He, he ministered among a group of people who said with their lips they wanted to love God. God. They were following all the systems of religion, right? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were doing all the religious things. But Jesus made a comment about them in Matthew chapter 15, verse number 8. He said, these people honor me with their lips. With their lips, they're saying they're committed to me. With their lips, they're saying they value me. With their lips, they're saying I'm a priority in their life. But notice what it says, their hearts are what? Far from me. They're saying one thing but their lives are indicating something else. And so it's not just a matter of saying I value something or saying something is a priority, but it's backed up by the action of your life and your actions are revealed in your commitments. And so whatever you value has to be translated into the commitments of your life. Let me take you on a quick story back or a quick re reflection back on these two guys up here, Manasseh and Ammon for a moment. 
Let's take a look at where, what their value system was all about. Because you'll see how distinct Josiah's was when you understand something about his grandfather and his father. Notice 2 Kings chapter 20, 21, verse 11. Manasseh, king of Judah, has... What's the next word there? Circle that word on your notes. He has done what? Committed. So what are we, what's this verse all about? It's about Manasseh's commitments, correct? Everybody with me today? You all are aware I'm talking to you, right? Yeah, okay. So this verse is all about Manasseh's, so we better pay close attention, right? Manasseh, king of Judah, has committed, these are his commitments, he has committed these detestable sins. These were the actions that proved where his commitment or his heart was or his value system was. He has done more evil than the Amorites who preceded him and has led Judah into sin with his idols. So we see the commitment of Manasseh reflected in his actions and they were evil. The same is true for Ammon, the father of Josiah, chapter 33 of Second Chronicles, verse 22, he did evil, speaking of Ammon, in the eyes of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done, Ammon worshipped and offered sacrifices to all the idols Manasseh had made. So again, these two guys had a wrong value system. Josiah chose a different value system. So how do you know what you're committed, what you're committed to? First of all, you have to examine them because it's setting your destiny and understand that underneath all of this is a reflection of what you value and and what your priorities are in life. So what message is your life communicating right now about your values and your priorities? When people talk about you, what do they say? Wow, that's really important to that guy. That's really important to that lady. This is what she or he is all about. This is what I see in them that reflects the story of their life. Number four, the fourth thing you must understand about commitments is simply this. Your commitments will determine the quality of your, what's the key word there? Relationships. Every relationship in your life rises and falls on the basis of one word, commitment. Anytime commitment in a relationship slips, anytime commitment in a relationship drifts, what happens to the relationship? It suffers. Something happens detrimentally anytime there's a decrease in a commitment in a relationship. Because it is commitment that creates trust. There is no trust without commitment. How do you trust something or someone if you don't know they're committed to you? And out of trust comes relationship or the environment in which relationships can grow. And so you see that at the very core of every relationship in your life, if it's going to be good, there has to be a strong commitment. Let me talk to you about four areas of relationship where you've got to pay attention to your commitments if you want to have the right value system and tell the right story to the world about yourself, about your future, about your destiny. Number one, the most important commitment and relationship you'll ever have in life is your relationship with who? God. There's nothing more important than that. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness. Everything else will be added to you. And the reason that many of us are having problems right now in our life is because God is not number one. 
God is not the focus of our life. God is not at the top tier. We are not totally committed, number one, to God. And so if you want to have a quality relationship with God, what must you bring to the relationship? What? You'll never have a quality relationship with God unless you bring to the relationship commitment. Now, is God committed to you? Oh, you better believe He's committed to you because He he demonstrated to us. The Bible says that God demonstrated His love toward us in this. Romans 5, 8. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, folks, there's no greater commitment than that. God demonstrated His commitment, His love, because in the Bible, we'll talk about this as a part of our series, love is not a feeling, love is a commitment. God demonstrated His commitment, His love toward us in this while we were still sinners. We were all totally messed up. God sent His Son to die on the cross for us. And so He's already brought His commitment to the relationship. And now if we want a relationship, a strong relationship with God, what must we bring to the relationship again? Commitment. And who needs to be number one, undisputed, top rung of the ladder in your life? God does. I like to use illustration with people like this. You ever put your, your shirt, your blouse on, and you button the wrong button? You ever had that problem before? Okay. You, you get the top button down here, and you look in the mirror, it's like, what's wrong? Okay. Because buttons are made to go in order, right? And then you find, oh, I know what I did. I got the wrong button buttoned. And so when you rebutton the top button and the top button hole, then everything works well, right? All the rest work as they need to work. It's, that's the way it is with God. When you get God in the, the top button and the top button hole, then the life of your life can flow as it needs to flow, right? Got it? Okay. Amen? Makes sense? All right. Number one commitment. Second of all, what's the second commitment that needs to be present in your life? What does it say in your notes here? Your marriage and your family. Number two, right after God. If you're married, your marriage ought to be a top priority for your life. You ought to be committed to your wife, your husband, and to your family. Why? Because, listen, the marriage and family is at the core, at the center of the foundation of society. When marriage and family falls apart, what happens to a culture? When Satan wants to attack a culture, what does he attack? That's why we're facing so much of an attack in our world today because the enemy, the adversary, Satan, he knows the vulnerable point. If I can get the family unit all messed up, if I can get husbands and wives all messed up and mixed up, if I can divide families, then I can, I can get at the core of culture. I can create disorder and chaos. I can create all kind of dysfunction because where does dysfunction oftentimes come from? Dysfunction comes from not being rightly related to God and not having a good environment in your family, right? And so we come into our world, if we don't have a right relationship with God, we've got a messed up family, then we tend to be a little bit messed up ourselves, right? A whole lot messed up ourselves. If you want to know what the problem is with our world today, it does not take rocket science to figure it out, as people don't have a relationship with God, and people are not rightly related in marriage and family. 
If we could restore our marriages and restore our families to what they needed to be, there would be a massive revolution in our world today. Health would come. Kids would be raised in an environment where they know that they're loved and where they're receiving good discipline that's needed in their life. And there would be an extended family of grandparents loving on grandchildren and an environment where there's a positive input to kids' lives that raises up generation after generation. And so what I want to challenge you with today, what do you want the story of your life to be. The story of your life needs to be, you know what? That man, that woman loves God. That man, that woman loves their husband, loves their wife, and loves their family. Amen? See, why? Because why, why is this important? Because it is setting your life direction and destiny. What is the third one that you see there? Church and community. I want to tell you today, if you don't understand this, you need the church. And the church needs you. You need to be a part of church life. And you need to be committed to your church. If God places you in a church, you need to get planted and established there. Why? Because you need that environment. Because guess what? You not only have a natural family, you also have a spiritual family. When you're born again, you're born into the family of God, and you're born into an environment of brothers and sisters. You know that person to your right and to your left and in front of you and behind you? They're your family. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you don't like the church, you're going to have a whole lot of problem in heaven. If you don't like people now, guess what? It's going to be really tough for eternity because all of us are going to spend eternity forever. We better start liking each other now, amen? We need to start getting along now because we're going to spend eternity for, forever together. And so there's an important thing of learning how to connect with the life of the church. You need to value your church and commit to your church. Why? Because it is a central part of your healthy growth in life. And you say, well, you know what? There's some things I don't like about my church. You know what? There is no perfect church. Guess what? And as long as there are people in churches, there will never be any perfect church. It doesn't exist. If you're looking for the perfect church, if you ever find it, please do not join it because you'll ruin it. Amen? It doesn't exist. But where you have to be is where God plants you and you say, anybody have a perfect family? No. But are they still your family? Yes. So you get plugged into a church and say, I'm going to get planted in the house of God. I'm going to get planted with the people of God. Why? Because that's my community. That's my spiritual community. Now, what I'm talking about by being planted is, yes, it's important to attend church and to be a part of church life in that regard, but it's also important to build relationships and connections and to serve, to be a part of the church life, to help the church mission move forward. We need every person to help us move the church mission forward. Why? Because there's still people in the world that do not know Jesus, and we have the answer that they need to receive, and we have the light of the world living in us, and we want to take the, 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 the bushel off the light and let it shine to the world around us, right? And the more lights we have shining, the brighter light we can be in our community, correct? So, hey, don't think church is optional. No, no, no. Church is not an optional thing. Jesus said, I love the church so much that I gave my life for it. I want to tell you something. I love the church. I love God. I love my wife sitting right over there and my family. And I love the church. And I'll tell you something. When you start loving what God loves, watch out because your life is getting ready for blessing. 
Amen? Now, we're talking about getting your commitments in order. What's the fourth thing here? Personal friendships and relationships. Everybody needs some friends. You need friends in your life. You say, but I don't have any friends. I'm going to help you today. Are you ready? I'm going to help you get some friends. Here you go. Be friendly. Okay? There you go. Okay? Nobody loves me. I'm going to help you. Are you ready? Be lovable. Okay? Stop worrying about what you're trying to get. Start thinking about what you can give. If you want a friend, be a friend. Amen? When you start being a friend to someone... And let me tell you, the best place to build friendships, the closest friendships in your life, the best place to build friendships is right here in your church family. Find someone in this. That's why we have life groups here in our church, and that's why we have ministry service opportunities. How many can say, you know what, I've I've made a great friend at church. Raise your hand. Come on, lift your hand up high. That's a bunch of folks. That's probably pretty much all of you. At least most of you. You've made a good friend at church. Why? Because you get plugged in. You start doing things. And, and see, real church, you might say, well, it's such a big church. No, it's just getting involved. When you start getting involved in a life group or you start serving somewhere, you'll find out this is not a big church. It's really a small church with a lot of people. Okay? That's all it is. It's a small church with a lot of people. Why don't you turn to someone right now and say, this is a small church with a lot of people. Go ahead and tell them. That's all it is, because it's connecting to the people around you. Let me just say something else as well. Not everybody you meet in church ought to be your friend. There's some goats that hang around here. I'm not going to name you. You can relax. Okay. But not everybody's healthy for you, so you've got to still use some discretion when you go to choosing your friends, you've got to be wise when you choose your friends. You've got to be aware of certain things. But notice this. What do you want the story of your life to be? When everything's said and done, as you're going through your life right now, what do you want people to say about you? Let me tell you what I want people to say about me. I want them to say about me. He loves God. And boy, he sure does love his wife. And he sure does love his family. And boy, he loves his church, his church community. And my goodness, he loves his friends. He's connected to his friends. Man, That guy is committed to God. He's committed to his marriage. He's committed to his family. He's committed to his church and his church community. He's committed to his friends. That's the story I want my life to declare. How about you? Why? Because I know something. I know that if that's the story of my life, I know that this is going to take me where I need to be. Because God says these are the priorities for your life. Number five. Which time do I have, okay? Number five, the good thing to know is that good commitments can be refreshed or renewed. Sometimes we drift, don't we? You don't need to raise your hand on these, and these questions that I'm about to ask, but Has there ever been a time in your life that you've drifted from God? Has there ever been a time that your commitment to your marriage or family hasn't been as strong as it needed to be? 
Has there been a time in your life where your commitment to your church hasn't been as vital as it should have been? Has there been a time that you've allowed certain things to get into one of your personal friendships that has affected your ability to fellowship with that person and maybe created a a chasm between you and them? Have your commitments ever drifted? Of course they have. For every one of us, there have been times that our commitment has, has drifted. So what do we do? Is there any hope? Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you're at a place in your life where you say, you know what, my, my commitment to God, Pastor, it's not where it needs to be. And even my marriage is a mess or I'm dealing with this situation with, with my friends. I don't know what it might be in your life. But the good news is if you have drifted in a commitment, you can renew your vows. Amen? You can renew your covenant. You can renew your commitment. I want you to take a look with me very quickly as we're wrapping this up at Josiah once again because I want you to see that Josiah actually did this. In 2 Kings chapter 23, the first four verses, remember after Josiah had heard God's Word and he tore his robe, remember we read that a few moments ago because he realized his commitments were all messed up? He didn't stop there, but he did something else. I want you to notice what happens here. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 in New Living Translation. Then the king, this is by the way Josiah, Summon all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem, and the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. So he gathers all these people together. There the king, what did he do to them, for them? He read to them the entire book of the covenant. Isn't that amazing? We got the king reading the Bible to all the people. What an amazing thought. That had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant. Would you say that phrase with me? He renewed the... Say it once again if you don't mind. He renewed the covenant. Let me stop there just for a moment. A covenant is a commitment. That's all it is. When you enter into the covenant of marriage, you're making a commitment to marriage. That's all it is. So he renewed the commitment. He renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged, that is, he made a covenant or a commitment to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant, the commitment that were written in the scroll. And all the people pledged, covenanted, or committed themselves to the covenant, to the commitment. Then the king instructed Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second rank and the temple gatekeepers to remove from the Lord's temple all the articles that were used to worship Baal, Asherah, and all the powers of the heavens. The king had all these things burned outside Jerusalem on the terraces of the Kidron Valley, and he carried the ashes away to Bethel. The key phrase, one key phrase in that passage, a lot of stuff there, but one key phrase, what did Josiah do? He renewed the covenant. Say it with me. He renewed the covenant. And when Josiah renewed the covenant, I want you to see what God then had to say about him. 2 Kings 23, verse 35. Never before had there been a king, had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses, and there has never been a king like him since. Here's the good news. Once Josiah renewed the covenant or the commitment. When he said, you know, God, we have drifted. We have moved away from what should have been. Our commitments have not been right. Once he renewed the commitment, God's opinion of him is recorded in the Bible. What is the story of Josiah's life? 
The Bible says that, that God recorded of him, that he turned to him with all of his heart, soul, and strength. There has never been a king like him since. Isn't that incredible? That what you see here is that the story of Josiah's life was determined by the commitment he made, right? And actually, it wasn't a commitment. It was a What's the word? It was a recommitment. What's the topic of this series? What's the word? Fresh. I want to ask you, do you want a fresh relationship with God? What's the key? Do you want a fresh marriage and family? What's the key? You want a fresh enjoyment and contribution to the life of the church? What is the key? You want strengthened friendships? What is the key? It is commitment, and perhaps for many of us today, it is a recommitment. And God is challenging you and me to make that choice. Why? Because notice the last things on your note, notes and we're done. Right commitments, when you recommit to the right commitments, they will make you who you need to be. They will take you where you need to go. They will give you what you need to matter. And they will leave a legacy behind you worth honoring and worth imitating. See, commitments are powerful things. And when you re-up and recommit, you can count on these things happening in your life. So let me conclude today. What recommitments do you need to make? Fresh is our goal, amen? Freshness with God. Freshness in every area of our life. Have you wandered from God? If you have, would you come back home to Him today? Have you wandered from your marriage or family? Would you make a decision, husband, wife, today to say, you know what, today I'm, I'm re-upping, I'm recommitting. Because to make that marriage work, that's, that's what it requires. That's where it all begins. Have you maybe fallen away from the commitment to the church? Maybe it's just become a peripheral thing in your life. God's saying, you know, today it's time to recommit. You want joy. You want to have all that I have for you. Recommit, re-up with the church. Maybe there's a friendship that something has come between, maybe some bitterness or resentment that's developed between you and another person that's affecting the friendships of your life. Today, God's saying, would you commit yourself and recommit yourself to forgiving and releasing and working those things through so there can be health in the relationship? What recommitments do you need to make today? If you'll make them, God will honor them. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I've tried to do my best this morning to communicate what you've put in my heart about commitment. And Lord, we don't want to simply be hearers of the word. We want it to be something that affects the way we live. And I pray for every person here today. And anyone that is here who has wandered away from you and they've wondered, can I get back to God again? I pray that you will remind them today that you have not drifted, Lord, that you're still where, you, where you've been. You're right there for them. And today, they can simply renew that commitment and find you fresh in their life. I pray for that husband and wife who have struggled and their commitment has been torn and pulled at and, and ringed almost apart, God. I pray that today would be a time that they would 
look at you and then look at one another and say, you know what, we're going to be committed to this thing. We're going to work it out. And I pray for the grace upon them to work through those things that would allow them to be a healthy marriage, to have a healthy marriage and healthy family unit, God. I pray for those who've simply just drifted away from the life of the church. I pray that today they would realize the vitality that comes through being a part of your church family, your body. Help them, Lord, to say, I'm going to re-up. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to be a part. I pray for friendships that have been driven apart by time and distance and perhaps by hurt and pain. I pray that today would be the day, Lord, that you would allow us to begin to see a recommitment in friendships for your glory and for your honor. Do a work in all of our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name. Hi, I'm Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to thank you for listening to our broadcast of Practical Living. I trust it was a blessing to you, and I trust that you're growing in your spiritual journey. Or perhaps you've never even started your spiritual journey, and today this is your opportunity to make a decision to move forward, getting to know Jesus Christ, letting Him have control of your life. See, the Bible says of Jesus that He stands at the door and knocks, and if anyone will hear His voice, you can open that door and let Him in. And if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, today is the day that you need to do it. In fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you'll pray this prayer sincerely with all your heart, mean it with all your heart, Jesus Christ will come into your life. Repeat this prayer after me. Say these words. Say, Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, and I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong in my life. I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior of the world, that you died for me and rose again. Just simply tell Jesus, I believe in you. Now open up your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. By faith, I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, sincerely, I want you to know something. Jesus heard it, and he saved you. You're a new creation in Christ. You get a brand new start in your journey with God. But now you have to grow. You have to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus every day. And so we want to help you get started. And we have some resources available on our website that will do so called New Beginnings. So check them out. And again, I want to thank you for being a part of today's broadcast. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings.